Today, I'm joined by Maz Wiley to discuss gaslighting and bullying in the workplace and the impact that it has on organizations. Before we commence, it's really important to define the key terms. At its core, gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation. The gaslighter, the person doing the gaslighting, manipulates the gaslightee, the person being gaslighted in a way that forces them to question their own version of events and even their own sanity. Gaslighters might have insecurities covered up by constantly pointing out other people's flaws, and they're controlling to a point where they don't respond well when they don't have power. So how would you know if you are a victim of gaslighting in the workplace? Some of those symptoms are hearing persistent negative accounts of your work performance. If you hear a persistent unjustified negative narrative about your performance at work, you're likely to be gaslighted because a big sign of gaslighting in the workplace is a lack of healthy and positive feedback. You hear the suspected gaslighter say negative things about you. And an example of a gaslighting comment would be something like, you're remembering that wrong, or you're just being too sensitive. If a coworker or manager continues to belittle you, this may be um, a time for you to take action and escalate the matter. Other symptoms of gaslighting include hearing negative and untrue gossip about yourself. One of the ways that gaslighters attack your sense of reality is by gossiping about you behind your back. By turning your fellow team members against you, the gaslighter can stay in control and make you feel like the bad person. You find yourself questioning your perception of reality at work. And the suspected gaslighter may belittle your emotions, efforts, or perceptions. And a common way to do that is to make you doubt yourself by belittling the effort that you put into your work. You might be feeling proud of a project that you've just completed, and a gaslighter will find a way to make you feel like you should have completed it better or faster. They leave you questioning whether you should be proud of your efforts at all. You're also excluded from meetings or events relevant or required for, for your job. We're going to be looking at this in a little bit more detail in terms of the way forward and the impact that it has in terms of productivity and morale in organizations. When high, performance, high performers become quiet and disinterested and then are labeled as low performers, as leaders of organizations, they must understand why says Lan Fan, founder and CEO of Community of Seven, who coaches executives in her curated core community groups. Being gaslighted by the managers can be a key driver of why someone's performance is suddenly declining. Over time, gaslighting will slowly erode the employee's sense of confidence and self-worth. I'm joined by Maz Wiley, who is a health and resilience consultant and burnout prevention specialist. Maz has spent decades changing lives with a powerful approach to holistic health. She has extensive experience in voluntary sector management and uses exercise as an alternative treatment for diabetes, obesity, and depression. With her own in-depth experiences of trauma, Maz set out to uncover the mysteries of resilience. Why do some thrive while others fall at the first hurdle? And what is it that influences our ability to bounce back? 
She is currently writing a book recording her findings. Maz is a director of a UA company that uses a very unique set of holistic tools to create resilience and prevent burnout within businesses, students, and disconnected families. The company has been named after Maz's poignant and powerful life motto. Life is for living. Thank you so much for joining us, Maz. Please could you tell us a little bit about your background? Good morning. Hi, Adam. Uh, yes, uh, so I started my life, um, or my career really, as a as a fitness instructor. Um, so the the element of physical health uh, plays a part in in all of my work. Um, and it wasn't until later when I was outdoor instructing that I started to realize the impact that um, adventure has on people's lives. I then started doing a lot of work in uh, adventure therapy and working with, uh, for example, kids exper experiencing severe trauma, um, addicts, uh, young offenders, um, and you know, just really anybody who who needs needs some help in life. Um, and I really started to to recognise the impact that. Uh, the outdoors and adventure activities have on people's lives. Um, since then, I've uh, trained in uh, CBT, and I bring together a very unusual, unique, and incredibly powerful set of tools which cover holistic health. I've spent a lot of my life uh, really emphasizing the correlation between physical and mental health. And I think a lot of practitioners these days either address one or the other. Uh, research now is really starting to emphasize the impact that physical health has on mental, but also the impact that mental health or poor mental health has on physical health. Um, so that's really where uh, where I stand is is very holistic, um, bringing the physical and the mental together in uh, uh, using various different tools. Um, so yeah, I work with with everything from corporates um, to two families, um, but a big emphasis on on corporates. Unfortunately, um, with um, the way technology is advancing and the pressures from society these days, we are all under increasing pressure with the increasing pressure unfortunately our lifestyles today are limiting the resilience that we are naturally creating so increased pressure and decreased resilience is leading to unfortunately a big increase in burnout and mental health problems as you come from an incredibly um, varied and thorough background in sort of looking at holistic health and well-being, and I'm so honoured to actually have you on board um, in this conversation. And um, like you said, it's a holistic perspective and well-being is incredibly important because obviously it affects productivity, it affects the organisation and how it's um, moving forward as well as staff morale. So well-being is actually quite a complex topic. Um, and there's there are positives and negative dimensions to it. What do you think are some of the barriers to well-being in the workplace in your perspective? I think um, one of the biggest barriers is uh, culture and society. Um, we've created quite strong expectations within both cult 
company cultures and within and in the bigger picture picture societies um so i mean take take an example for example the clothes that you wear to work it's expected that we dress a certain way to look professional and yet when you think about the clothes that we're expected to wear to look professional how healthy is cutting off your neck to wear a tight tie all day you're wearing something that is cutting off or limiting or certainly giving the, the feeling of limiting the blood supply to your brain and the oxygen supply to the rest of your body um high heels are seen to be professional. And yet, how easy is it to walk around all day in a, in a pair of high heels? Tight clothing. Again, when we're working, we need to let ourselves uh, relax and think. So, I mean, this is just one example, um, the clothes that we wear. And this is a, a, a trend that is really enforced by society. It's a culture now. This looks professional. This doesn't look professional. Traditions and cultures within companies as well. Um, you know, it, it can be a culture that um, you do this or you don't do that. And I think that has a big impact on uh, on well-being in in businesses. I think it's a very, very interesting um, outlook that you've had and that you've shared with us, Maz, because, um, again, looking at well-being from all these different angles to the clothing, you know, um, to our physical health and our psychological health and the culture. Now, it's really interesting that you've touched upon culture because in some organizations where there's sort of autocratic cultures of sort of just obedience, you know, um, and where you've had managers that have been in the organizations for quite some time, they've managed to create alliances. So when you have new employees coming in, this sometimes seen because of the company culture as worthless as a newbie and somebody who needs time to prove their worth rather than the skills that they bring in rather than the experience that they're bringing and this actually impacts culture company culture organizational culture culture quite negatively because sometimes what happens is because of the previous alliances created even if you try to restructure within organizations, it's difficult to counteract that culture of, well, I've known somebody for the past four years, so my allegiance and my obedience will be to them, rather than a focus on the professional working practice and the work that we need to get done. And all of this sort of, I think, in a way can lead to gaslighting as well, where if you have an insecure culture where managers are focusing on, um, their positions of power and their seat. And instead of actually focusing on the work that needs to get done or the organizational's vision and mi mission, gaslighting coming into play, utilizing alliances, utilizing connections, utilizing, you know, the techniques, the psychological techniques that might have worked well in the past to retain this control and retain this sort of systematic um, belittling of employees in certain contexts. Gaslighting is actually a commonly heard term and it happens, it happens in reality, but there's actually little focus to eradicate it. Could be because there's not much understanding, could be because it's a little bit difficult to prove, but it does occur. So what do you think could be done to minimize and eradicate 
gaslighting from, from the workplace and organizations to ensure this culture of well-being and the culture of productivity because gaslighting doesn't just affect the employee. It leads to quietly quitting. It leads to talented people giving up and just sort of being quiet because that's what's expected of them. It leads to a drop in productivity and it actually affects all the stakeholders from the service users to the to the people delivering the service, you know, whether that's in the educational sector, business sector, the creative sector, the, the various sectors that we have, it actually affects everybody. And what do you think could be done to minimize and eradicate um, gaslighting? I think that's a really, a really interesting question. Um, I think we have to look at where gaslighting is coming from and why it's happening. And that takes us right back to looking at individuals. Um, gaslighting, I believe, comes from uh, trauma and insecurities. Um, it used to be believed that trauma was um, a unique experience, experienced only by some. And yet uh, scientists, researchers are now proving that trauma has at some point affected all of us. Um, and I think this is a really important um, thing. Gaslighting is a sign of trauma. It's people's insecurities coming out. It might be um, their fear. It might be um, issues from the past. It might be their own um, worries about their own work. It might be that uh, they feel threatened by somebody else. Um, in these situations, I think we have to realize that it's harder to change the gaslighter than it is to change everybody else. These insecurities are going to happen. Uh, we all have insecurities. It's how we deal with them that makes the big difference and how we deal with other people who treat us um, undesirably, I guess. So, as a business, um, there's a lot of opportunities to um, provide awareness. And awareness may be not that there is a big bully out there, because I don't think it is a case that there is somebody who is bad and somebody who is good. Our behavior changes every day, depending on so many different elements in our life. Somebody who is absolutely wonderful most of the time might suddenly have something in their life which pushes them over the edge and changes their behavior, which could then be classed as bullying or gaslighting. I think therefore it's more important to build resilience in everybody rather than create this war against bullying because we all have the potential to be bullied, but we all have the potential to be the bully. But creating an understanding of behavior, of resilience, of building our own resilience, I think can also help us as individuals to be aware when we are becoming the bully, as well as to be more resilient to those who are maybe bullying us. That's a very interesting perspective, Maz, especially when you touched upon the topic of trauma and sort of 
touched upon that everybody actually has experienced trauma. Everybody has gone through suffering. And and you come through with this supportive approach of supporting everybody, even the gaslighter. You know, like you said, it might be fear of their position. It might be fear of losing control. Um, because a big element of gaslighting and bullying is this element of control. Um, and now that might be because of different fears, such as incompetence, fear about their work, um, fear about, you know, um, different things. It could be something very small as, you know, not being able to, say, write an email by themselves without spelling mistakes and sort of being scared that they'll be found out for it when actually by seeking out support, by asking for help, by sort of engaging positively in sort of community um, behavior modification in a sense, all these issues can be resolved. And I absolutely agree with you that our behavior every day, you know, regarding on the stimuli that we uh, receive, we react to it and we respond to it. You know, we are, we're all humans at the end of the day. And there is this element of um, redemption and this element of actually resilience in our behavior and modifying our behavior to sort of ensure that we can eradicate gaslighting and we can eradicate bullying. Um, because even research has shown that, you know, that common phrase that bullies are cowards, um, it's about the individual getting support so they stop that behavior. And it's also the person being affected as well, being validated and being affected. So I think it's not a case of, like you said, it's not a case of a war on the bully, but I think Perhaps from my perspective, it's a case of, yes, there is this campaign to eradicate the bullying and the gaslighting because nobody deserves mass. Nobody deserves to experience that. You know, you have people joining organizations who are highly talented, coming from strong academic backgrounds, strong skill set, and they're absolutely reduced. Their self-confidence is gone. They're constantly picked upon. And they shouldn't have to put up with that. They should be experiencing support as well. And they should be able to enjoy coming to the workplace and looking forward to coming to the workplace instead of waking up each day and thinking, gosh, what do I have to put up with it today? What do I have to face again? What What is going to go wrong again? Or what will I be held accountable for? What What mistake will I do? You know, so all of these anxieties that are created that are unnecessary. And again, if you look at the company culture, it affects the company as well. It affects the organization, because if you have all of this going on and it's been going on for quite some time, it's going to have an effect on the whole organization and the stakeholders. So um, bullying in the workplace, I think, in, has moved on to be to be more on a psychological scale. So it's difficult to identify and screen. And some places actually do not have effective policies to deal with this. So what strategies would you say could counteract this? I think that's a really difficult one because uh, bullying and especially things like coercive control, um, which is really what we're talking about here, um, are very hard to identify. And that's that's a big part of what they are, is a lot of um, the behaviour goes unseen. Again, I, I kind of go back to, to what I said before, is 
we all have the potential to be a bully and we all have the potential to be bullied. We all have emotions, we all have feelings, we all have a past. And this affects us enormously. We are living in a very, very um, highly stressed world at the moment. We're living under more pressure than humans have ever lived under. And this, of course, is going to have impacts. So again, I, I emphasize rather than singling out the bully, I think the, the most effective um, strategy the businesses can come up with is to provide support for everybody to build resilience, to be aware of their own emotions, their own health, their own feelings, and their own behavior as well. It's sometimes not until we stop and analyze the way we are feeling ourselves that we can appreciate our own behavior. Um, so I think actually creating awareness in the workplace, creating uh, strategies for resilience is probably the most effective uh, strategy that can be uh, applied at this stage. Absolutely. Um, you know, having this culture of resilience and awareness and support. And I think all of all of these factors could nip it into the bud um, because, like you said, it's it's not this case of just focusing on individuals. It's sort of changing the culture or improving the culture sort of to move forward. So in single gendered environments, um, let's just say, for example, all female working environments, would you say that bullying can become more concentrated in the sense that, you know, there are gender differences in the way that we behave. And sometimes between women, for example, there is a psychological element that is difficult to be read by an outsider you know, it's it's very difficult to be read, but especially when it comes to gaslighting, it's very easy um, for that for that to occur. You know, so would you say that bullying can can become more concentrated um, in this aspect? I wouldn't say that um, the gender itself is the uh, single contributing factor to, to bullying. I think every single uh, group dynamic situation will have different impacts. You change one person within a team, whether they're male or female, and this will change the dynamics of the team. Um, yes, of course, if you have uh, different uh, different gender teams, then the behaviors, the, the, the way the group works together will be different, but it will be different depending on uh, the, the culture of the organization, um, the history. So it's not just gender. Um, and I think that the elements that I've addressed uh, previously apply completely is being aware, being self-aware, being aware of others and creating your own resilience. Um, and I, yes, I think, you know, of course, gender makes a difference but I don't think it's the main contributing factor. Um, I think there's so many different uh, variables that that impact uh, relationships within an organization. Absolutely, and I agree with you because if you look at all female working environments, you know, across the globe, there are examples of some where brilliant teamwork, cohesive and excellent, you know, and there are some examples that you come across where toxic femininity you know, comes into play. And like you said, it's sort of looking at the context because not all single gendered environments 
have this negativity. Uh, again, like you said, it's looking at the group dynamics and sort of evaluating that and creating self-awareness. What um, impact do you think prevalent uh, gaslighting and bullying has on organizations? Um, sorry, just to go back to, to, to the last uh, section a little bit. I mean, for some people, single gender workplaces can be actually reassuring um, and less of a threat than mixed. So I think it just it it's very dependent on on cultures, on a, a number of different situations. Um, sorry, going back to, to the last question, can you can you ask again? Sorry. Sure, sure. I absolutely agree with you with with your point um, on that as well. So, what impact does prevalent gaslighting and bullying has on organisations? I mean, bullying, gaslighting, coercive control, it's a sign of insecurity. If there's any insecurity within an organization, within a family, with any uh, group unit, it's going to um, make connections very difficult. We are already, as a race, disconnected um, and becoming quite dangerously disconnected. So the creation of more disconnections within a team that needs to work together can be quite dangerous for, for the success of, of a company. Thank you, Mans, for sharing that insight. Um, of course, you know, in, in terms of that, that you have more distances being created and the communication perhaps comes to a standstill at point, which again affects the way the organization moves forwards. Do you have any examples or country case studies where effective anti-bullying policies have been carried out in the workplace to change things for the better? I think, um, I mean, I think the, the, the like I say, the, the most effective thing is to, rather than creating anti-bullying, to, to build resilience and strength with everybody. So bringing unity rather than anti-bullying. It again puts a, a positive spin on it rather than a negative spin. It gives people responsibility to look out for their own behavior rather than saying the organization is going to spot this big bad bully. Um, there was um, a big move in the UK where coercive control was criminalized in 2015. And I think that was an enormous uh, step in the right direction. Um, Again, the difficulty with uh, something like gaslighting um, and coercive control is proving it. Uh, but the fact that we have recognition, we have um, acceptance the, that something like this is so wrong, it's criminal, is, is a big, big step forward. Um, thank you for your in insights, Maz. Um, very in-depth and very thorough in sort of looking at this perspective of providing support, but equally having the zero tolerance um, towards, you know, bullying and gaslighting. And I think it's really interesting that you've touched upon building this culture of unity, including everybody uh, having resilience. And I think, um, you know, in terms of practically how that can be done in organizations is sort of maybe looking at restructuring, uh, looking at the hierarchical structure, maybe cases of distributed leadership. So you don't have, uh, you know, this one seat or one position of power, which sort of 
then becomes quite autocratic and leads to these situations. And taking into account everybody's different skill set um, and what they're bringing to the corporate table, for example, or to the organization, because every employee is uh, is a valued member of the organization um, and they bring, you know, they add value, they bring um, their expertise and their skill set. So what do you think the outlook is for the future in terms of future practices of eradicating bullying and ga gaslighting in the workplace? Yeah, so I guess this goes back um, to, to what I said earlier on, is uh, we are living in uh, under the most stress that humanity has ever lived under. Um, we are under enormous amounts of pressure. We are communicating communicating in ways that really is, is, is changing our race completely. Um, so bearing that in mind, we are all under increased pressure, finding it difficult to express ourselves, to uh, work out our feelings, to identify our feelings. This is causing issues and it's going to continue causing issues. So I don't think there's a simple way to eradicate um, bullying. I don't think this is going to happen. Bullying is a cause of stress, um, whether that comes from uh, large scale trauma or whether that comes from daily stresses of life. I think, therefore, that, you know, I echo what I've said before, the, the main um, solution to move forward is not to target bullies, um, but to look at building our resilience as individuals, as a team. And this includes one of the biggest areas um, included there is looking at the way we communicate. Um, we are hide behind screens so much that we are forgetting how to communicate effectively. Um, how do we come across to other people? And these are things that we just don't think about. We don't have time to think about, but it's a big part of being individually resilient and of taking responsibility for our own behavior. So I think really that's, that's for me, is the future, is recreating resilience, reconnecting with some of these essential connections that we as humans are losing in, modern, in the modern world. So it's a very interesting perspective that you've shared there, you know, in terms of having this human connection because behind screens, uh, it's very easy to sort of uh, be desensitized and write in a particular way, whereas face to face, I think, you know, having this human connection can make an impact. And that works well also in terms of having this cohesive unity in teams. However, I've still got this question where what if you, for instance, in some organizations where you have an autocratic manager and you see them face to face, one to one, and say, for example, in in a gaslighting example, they give you permission to do something orally, and there's nobody there present to witness that. But then later on, 
they sort of retract that and kind of fault find and sort of create a situation or a scenario which is completely untrue, but there is no way to sort of counteract that. So I think there needs to be this fine balance in sort of seeing what things can be kept in writing for clarity and at what times you can do face-to-face. Because an element of this, again, touches upon leadership when we look at it, because organizations are led by people and an element of leadership, I feel, is to help people grow. That if in an organization, people are being put down and they're given uh, warnings, say for instance, you know, months or years down the line, I think that's a reflection on the leadership that did they effectively coach, did they effectively grow that employee Or is this an element of feeling threatened? And sometimes, again, it's about competition and professional jealousy, which is not openly spoken about. It's the elephant in the room. And I think one of the solutions to that could be, again, like you said, that unified team, bring everybody to the table with their different skill set. So you have this distribution of different tasks and giving people independence and autonomy over the working day or over the tasks that they're doing, which means that reduces this need for control because everybody has a part or an element that they're responsible for. Um, And sort of having this regulation, having having this regulatory mechanisms, if for example, there are managers bullying employees, then there also should be a regulation over the managers being managed and a regulation over that to sort of Um, reduce that. I know in some countries globally in in terms of practices and some organizations such as BetterUp, there is research in terms of innovation and practices looking at to improving the working culture. Um, and And I think part of this comes from academia as well and research sort of inform that to make practical differences. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Maz. I learned a lot and your perspective was incredibly insightful and valuable, especially this concept of focusing on the human and providing support for everybody and being inclusive. Um, I think that would really make an impact if it's put in a practical context within organizations. So thank you very much for joining us today.